Week one is in the books. Well, it's it's mostly in the books. It's Monday morning. Welcome to the most accurate podcast presented by 444.com. I'm your host, Greg Smith, and this show is going to kick off my in-season schedule where I will bring you a weekly recap episode every Monday and then a waiver wire show every Tuesday. The music on today's podcast is a song called Blue Skies Dandelion by Yaysayer. Check out the link in the show notes to the TMAP B-Sides playlist on Spotify to hear the full track plus all the other tunes I've played on my episodes And if you're wondering what else you're hearing in the background of this show, it's not the latest in avant-garde ambient percussion. It's a team of roofers with absolutely no regard for my podcasting schedule. I'll try to clean up the audio as best I can, but apologies in advance for any background noise that slips through during the show. This episode is sponsored by Fantasy Draft. Their contest lineup is the only one in Daily Fantasy that's completely rake-free, which means that 100% of entry fees are paid out to players 100% of the time. Sign up today at FantasyDraft.com with promo code 444, and you'll get a 7-day trial membership for free. The promo code is 444, the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4. Pulling double duty as my guest for both this week's shows is Jennifer Akins. You can find all her work at 444.com, and you can follow her at the Monday Mommy on Twitter, Jen. It's great to finally get you on. How are you doing? How was your week one? I'm good. You know, not bad. Um, from a, I'm a personal perspective, I'm uh, I'm looking pretty good on my on my fantasy teams, which is nice. Um, it's weird. It, it's great. I'm excited for for the first overreaction Monday of the season. Yep, we made it. And <laughs> do you want to take a victory lap on anything? Uh, I mean, this is a safe space. Uh, I prefer positive victory laps as opposed to negative victory laps. But uh, anything from the preseason that you you know felt strongly about that paid off in week one? You know, sadly, not personal. You know, I do a lot of tight end work on 4 for 4, and unfortunately, uh, week one was a big dud for me in that department. So as far as those victory laps go, I don't have any yet, which is really sad. You know, I will say as far as, you know, strategy goes, um, it was kind of nice. I'm of the, you know, of the late round quarterback ilk, you know, and, and that was pretty uh, – Looking at, you know, the quarterback play, it kind of played right into the, you know, the late round narrative. So that's kind of exciting because that's, you know, that's not something I personally tell, but it's something that I do. So that was kind of nice for me. So big picture kind of at a league wide level, did anything in particular stand out to you from week one? Like what what are your big takeaways from, like you said, our, our first overreaction Monday? Yeah, um, I think, all, like I said, the quarterback thing was kind of interesting. I think also, you know, wide receiver was pretty nutty. I mean, it was pretty upside yeah. down when you look at you know, the leaders in the clubhouse after week one and fantasy points. And it was nobody that anyone targeted in the beginning of drafts. I mean, now granted, we still have, you know, two of the, of the top, you know, wide receivers to go tonight. So, you know, Thomas and Hopkins could kind of shake that up, but you know, the, the leaderboard for, for receivers is kind of nutty. It's not anyone that people were targeting, you know, in early and you know, even in the middle rounds, really. So that was kind of something that stood out to me. Yeah, that was a big one for me is that just more and more, you know, every year we see that the NFL is becoming a passing league. We see that reflected in the types of wide receivers that are popping up at the top of the rankings here. Like you said, I mean, Sammy Watkins, I feel like maybe we could see that a little bit because you expect Jalen Ramsey to follow Tyreek Hill around, then Tyreek Hill gets hurt. Yeah, of course, Sammy Watkins is going to become the de facto number one on that team. I mean, maybe you might have expected Travis Kelsey to have a bigger game, but I think expecting Watkins to do well was fine. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, you, you and I were chatting in the 4 for 4 Slack on Sunday morning. I was asking, am I crazy for wanting to start G-Jax over T.Y. Hilton? And Because I kind of saw this scenario where, okay, you know they're going to want to show off their new guy. It's a revenge game for Deshaun Jackson as much as you want to buy into that narrative. And so that one made sense to me too, uh, which is why I, I did start him over T.Y. Hilton. But then you look at the other names there. John Ross, Marquise yeah. Brown, 
Philip Dorsett, and then T.Y. Hilton, number six. So, I mean, really, I should have benched somebody else and played both DJX and Hilton. So, egg on my face there. But, yeah, it is pretty crazy. Like, I am very surprised at just how prolific some of these passing attacks were. Uh, I saw a stat from uh, Football Perspective on Twitter, at FBG Chase. He said that the league-wide adjusted net yards per attempt in week one was 6.87 and the average for 2018 was 6.32. So that just means that passing was much more efficient in week one than it was on average all of last season. Maybe we can bake in some regression to that uh, to say that that's going to come back to earth you know, in future weeks and get back towards that 2018 average. But you never know. Um, the other one that really stood out to me was the Cowboys and their passing attack. I mean, do you expect this to continue or do you think this is just a great matchup against the Giants where, you know, Dak went crazy in the passing game? You know, it's interesting that you say that because that's the one egg on my face. You know, I sat Gallup and and I sat there yesterday morning, you know, for an hour straight back and forth between Christian Kirk and Michael Gallup. And I just I couldn't put Gallup in there. I just for some reason didn't think that that passing attack was going to be, you know, as productive as it was. So I certainly was surprised. You know, Dak has, you know, had a share of inconsistencies, you know, um, so far in, in his NFL career. So, you know, going into it, I just really didn't. I just didn't think that, you know, he would be as efficient. And I have to say I'm impressed. I'm glad because I do have a lot of Michael Gallup, you know, in lots of different places. Um, So, you know, it'll be interesting to see moving forward. You know, I don't know. I think they're – I can't remember who they're playing in week two. It's another soft matchup. It's Washington. That's right. It's the Redskins. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Amari Cooper definitely outperformed where I thought he'd be as well. I mean, I wasn't super worried about him. But, you know, he had some injury and whatnot, and I wasn't super high on him. Um, And, you know, he actually ended up, you know, having a decent game as well. I mean, I think he ended up with, let's see, 22.6 fantasy points, PPR. So, Actually, looking at the list here, Gallup and Cooper were right right next to each other. They were point two, you know, points different. Um, that's pretty, you know, for for a Dallas offense that you know was supposed to be all run. It's pretty interesting to see that you've got two guys in like the top fifteen after week one. Yeah, I think week one is the perfect time to make that you know Christian Kirk versus Michael Gallup mistake though, because you definitely drafted Kirk before you drafted Gallup, right? And you drafted him like that for a reason. Exactly. Your expectations yep. for Kirk over the course of the season are going to be higher. And in week one, when we have the least amount of information possible, you know, really, that's when it makes sense to kind of go with the guy that you drafted higher. And now you've you have some evidence to suggest that okay, maybe I need to consider Gallup a little closer to Kirk, but. It is just one week. We don't know exactly if the game plans are going to stick like this for Dallas week after week, especially with Ezekiel Elliott getting more, you know, reintegrated into that into that game plan. So I think it's going to vary. I don't think we want to overreact too much to that, but I'm with you. Like, I, I liked Gallup. I was drafting him a lot, but I wasn't quite sure when I was going to be able to use him. I thought he might be more of a best ball guy, but... Yeah, we really are going to have to wait and see how some of this stuff plays out over the next few weeks before we really get a good handle on what's going on. Is there a situation for you, Jen, that you're reserving judgment on, something that you think deserves a little bit more time to evaluate before you'll feel good or bad about your analysis of that situation? You know, I've got a few. It's, I mean, of course, after week one, you could kind of put anyone in, into that little box. Um, but I've got, you know, both of mine that I kind of came up with were quarterbacks. You know, I've got Kyler Murray and Keenum. Kyler Murray, ugh, you know, it was super fr- – I mean, he was negative fantasy points after the first three quarters, you know, and I was that, – that's – you don't really, I mean, you know, obviously he's a rookie. You've got, you know, there were some question marks anyway going in, but you don't think he's going to completely do nothing in the first three quarters. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, he goes 15 of 19 for 144 yards in the fourth quarter comeback with two touchdowns. And you just, you know, I, was it more of a collapse for Detroit or, you know, is this Murray that we're going to see? You know, he ended up close to 30 fantasy points after, like I said, being negative for the first three quarters. So I think we need to kind of wait and see whether he's going to be, you know, an every every week starter. You know, I personally um, I had him on a team with Winston and I benched him for Winston, which we all know was not a good decision yesterday. Um, so now, of course, next week I'm going to be faced with the same thing, which is going to be rough. So, you know, there's that. Um, I also think Keenum, you know, it's the same. He was kind of the opposite. You know, he started out of the gate with a 17 nothing lead, you know, 267 yards and two touchdowns at the half. And then second half, you know, there was, I think, 30 total yards for the Redskins. So it's like he kind of had the opposite effect of Murray. So, I mean, obviously, I'm not a big Keenum believer. You know, I live in Denver. I, I watched what happened last year. Um, so, you know, I wasn't a big believer to start with, but then you kind of see that and you're like, well, is he capable of doing this? You know, we'll have to see. Yeah, for sure. Murray, I I think the, the one thing that we can point to with him and be excited about still is the fact that he led Sundays or he, he's led everyone up to this point in pass attempts, 54 pass attempts. That's what we expected from this offense. That's why he was a relatively safe fantasy bet despite being a rookie right Right. he was the number one pick overall of course and that definitely helps but we knew the passing volume was going to be there they showed that to us on Sunday I think that you can feel okay about him going forward Keenum yeah I was watching that Philly Washington game really closely because I just moved to the Philadelphia area and that was the local game on it was a tale of two halves for him and he looked great in the early going and I I think maybe it was more just the, the Eagles defense looked bad and that's my concern with him is that once you know, the defense kind of tightened up. They didn't, you know, necessarily solve Case Keenum or figure Case Keenum out. But I, I, I would be skeptical of him going forward. But you're right. We're going to need more time to figure that out. Now, how about a performance or a storyline from week one that you feel strongly is, you know, a mirage? Like, what are you the most skeptical of coming out of week one? You know, I know you're going to probably laugh at this and others, um, but Sammy Watkins, I'm just not a believer in Sammy Watkins, and I'm still not a believer in Sammy Watkins. I don't think, you know, I think he benefited, you know, from Hill leaving, but I, I he's just, he's not Tyreek Hill, and I just worry about, you know, he he's so inconsistent. I mean, he's never had more than 65 receptions in a season, and that was in 2014, and he also hasn't played a full 16 games since that same year, 2014. So I just don't think Watkins is going to be like a, you know, a guy that you can count on week in and week out as like, you know, a wide receiver one or really even a wide receiver two. I just don't see it. I think a lot of people are going to, you know, overreact and possibly trade for him and get super fired up about him, and I just – you know, to me, I think it was a mirage. Now, he may prove me wrong, you know, and that's that's the fun of all this stuff. But I just I don't see him being a guy that you can count on every week. Yeah, see, I can understand your long term skepticism with Watkins, you know, based upon that lack of a track record, you know, like you said, never having more than 65 catches in a season. But I don't know, short term, I think I would be buying into this because Hill is injured because of what he did yesterday, because we know this is the best offense in the league and kind of full stop. And with all that in mind, I, th- I think you can't get away from Watkins, at least for the next few weeks. Now, if you want to say, you know, five weeks from now when Hill is back in the lineup uh, and maybe Watkins has more tread on the tires, or I guess less tread on the tires, maybe I'm screwing that uh, phrase up, but you know what I mean? Like, maybe he starts to wear down over the course of the season. I could buy that, but I think for the next couple weeks, I think I'm all in on Watkins. I, I'm, I'm buying into that. For me, I would say the biggest mirage, I, I feel pretty confident in saying it was the Browns. I'm just not ready to bury them after one bad game against a Titans defense that's pretty underrated. 
that's you know one of the teams that tends to make opposing offenses look worse uh, than they might actually be. And so I would be looking at all the guys in the Browns as potential buy lows, whether that's Mayfield or Nick Chubb or Odell Beckham. There, there's, I think, a buying opportunity here. What, what do you think about what you saw from the Browns and the Titans yesterday? Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I, I'm definitely not bearing the Browns. I think, you know, it was a rough, it was a rough game, no doubt. There could have been a lot of things that could have played into it. They could have maybe not been as prepared, like you said. The, the Titans are, are an underrated D, and they maybe kind of overlooked that and didn't, you know, they, they were. You know, it was a home game. It was the opener. They might have just kind of been hyped and not as prepared. I don't know, but I don't think that I would be selling any of those guys. Um, I, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big Chubb fan as it is. I like OBJ. I think, you know, Baker had, had a wrist issue, so we'll have to see how that plays out. But I think, you know, there's there's definitely value on that team, and I don't think they're going to uh, continue, you know, the way they played yesterday at all. Well, before we get into the booms of the week, uh, let's take a quick break for the sponsor of this show. Fantasy Draft is the only rake-free DFS site in the business, and they are bringing you the largest guaranteed rake-free contest lineup in the history of daily fantasy sports. As other fantasy sites continue to raise rakes, prize pools are being squeezed, and that can make it harder to win. Whether you call it rake, commission, or management fee, the days of paying 10, 12, or even 15% or more of your entry fees to the house are over. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of the entry fees are paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. To access Fantasy Draft's exclusive rake-free contests, all you need to do is become a member. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com today with promo code 444, the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, and you'll get a free 7-day trial membership. Once again, that's FantasyDraft.com with promo code 444. Become a member today and say goodbye to the Daily Fantasy Rake. All right, Jen, let's talk booms of the week. These are the players who outperformed our expectations the most in week one. Where do you want to go first? Who do you want to start with? I'm going to go with Marlon Mack. Um, he definitely is not someone I expected to be, you know, a, a top six running back after week one, you know, for, I mean, as a fourth rounder, you know, I mean, you know, you expect him to be okay, but I was definitely impressed kind of, you know, he ended up as, you know, running back six. Um, and the chargers defense is not, is not slack as far as, I mean, they were 12th in, you know, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed last season. And I really expected them to kind of struggle, especially, you know, with luck retiring and you've got, you know, all that, we weren't really sure what the O-line was going to do. And um, I was definitely surprised to see him with, you know, 25 and a half fantasy points or PPR points at the end of the day. Yeah, no luck, no problem. He was on my list as well. Yeah. Uh, you really have to credit that O-line in Indianapolis. I think that they're going to continue to make Mac relevant. Uh, I'm going to go with the other side of that matchup, Austin Eckler. I expected a good game, but not RB1 overall. I mean, I I'm curious to see how much this performance of Eckler's was impacted by the injury to Mike Williams you know, maybe, you know, because they didn't have that one extra target, Eckler got more work in the receiving game. If Williams comes back quickly, maybe Eckler will come back down to earth a little bit. I mean, he, he kind of has to just because you can't put up that type of performance every week. But I was really impressed with him. I'm glad that I drafted him relatively aggressively after the Melvin Gordon holdout news was announced. And I don't know, I'm curious if, if this sort of performance from Eckler might motivate Melvin Gordon to return sooner. What, what do you think about that situation? Like, do you think Melvin Gordon's going to be affected or influenced by how these other running backs perform in his absence? You know, I do. It's funny. I said the same thing to my husband while we were watching the game. I was like, you know, Melvin Gordon has to be sitting there a little bit kind of worried. It's like, do they actually need him? Like, what's what's this going to be? You know, Eckler, I knew coming into the season, even before Melvin Gordon held out, I was drafting Eckler just because I had him last year. And I mean, he has standalone value. He had it last year with Gordon, yep. you know, healthy. So I knew he was going to be all right. I have to say, though, I was a smidge concerned 
um, during the preseason just because they were not Eckler and Jackson together. They just didn't get it going. And obviously it's the preseason. You're playing against different, you know, uh, defensive, you know, schemes and stuff. But I just, I was a little concerned. I was like, is he going to be able to do this? You know, and he proved yesterday, you know, against a, a decent defense that he, I mean, he's absolutely capable. And, and and Jackson really didn't have the same amount of carries that, you know, we, we really thought. I mean, Eckler was really the, the lead back there. So, um, I was impressed, and, and I think Gordon has to – that has to affect him, I mean, in some way. I mean, I don't know that he can sit there and – you know, I don't know, because last year you look at Le'Veon Bell, and it didn't affect him one bit, the fact that Connor, you know, showed up. So I don't know. It should be interesting to see if he kind of – if that does affect his decision to try to come back and, and make some kind of deal happen. The last running back I want to touch on here is Malcolm Brown, giving a little bit of validation to the Todd Gurley skeptics. Uh, he – Basically, was just as involved as Gurley was, especially early on. But I saw a tweet from Adam Leviton that said Todd Gurley definitely outsnapped Malcolm Brown. I think it was like 53 to 20 or something like that. And so with that in mind, maybe we don't need to be quite as skeptical of Gurley. But do you have any takes on how this Rams backfield is playing out uh, in the early season? You know, I do. I actually have Malcolm Brown as, as something that we're talking about later. Um, but yes, I was I was actually impressed with him. I, I really, you know, everyone went towards Henderson. You know, he was being drafted as early as like the fourth round. And I think a lot of people forgot about Malcolm Brown and what, you know, he's, I mean, you know, he was kind of, he was the backup before Henderson came in and he's proven himself in that offense. And I think that they're going to rely on him. And I think that, you know, we saw that yesterday. So I think he's kind of an intriguing Intriguing option moving forward. All right, let's move to a different position. Uh, who do you want to get to next? Um, you know, I'm going to go with um, Philip Dorsett. Now, obviously, we know, you know, what's coming, you yeah. know, in, in Antonio <laughs> Brown. But I have to say, I, I was I was impressed. I mean, he caught four or four targets. He had 95 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he was close to 26 PPR points yesterday. And I can't imagine that a lot of people started him yesterday. He, you know, he was wide receiver, I think, seven at the end of the night. So that's pretty nuts. I, I don't, you know, I didn't draft him even in best ball, really. So um, that definitely was a boom for me. I, he definitely outperformed. Yeah, it is sad that now he's going to have to cede basically all of his targets and touches or you know snaps, I imagine, to Antonio Brown. I, I'm curious to see how that impacts all the receivers there, not just Dorsett, but also Edelman and Josh Gordon. If maybe they'll have more of a, you know, forgive the lack of a better word, but a committee at wide receiver. Because Dorsett is a real player now. Like we saw this towards the end of last season. We're seeing it now. It's kind of a shame that he's going to have to take a back seat to all these guys who, you know, have a little bit more name brand value, right? Right, and you've got Demarius Thomas too, which you know he's going to show up at some point, and I don't know, you know, I don't know really what's, I know, but but you know what I mean. You never know. Somehow, Bell, you know what I mean with Bill, like you just don't know. All of a sudden, Thomas could be, you know, he just seems to get the best out of these guys, and when I'll, they're, di- I'll believe the Demarius stuff when I see it. Like I, to <laughs> me, he's crossed the, you know, the Andre Johnson Rubicon, you know, where we saw him have that one last season in Indy where he just, you know, just wasn't the same player. I have a feeling that's kind of where Demarius Thomas is at. You can evidence by the fact that he couldn't play in week one. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not going to buy that until I see him on the field, especially considering all these other weapons they have at receiver. A wide receiver I want to call out here is Terry McLaurin. He, he almost had an even bigger game, but Keenum missed him on a wide open pass. Like that would have surely been another touchdown for him. I drafted him in Scott Fishbowl, but I was not expecting him to be, you know, the top receiver on Washington. I, I was really impressed with him. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I definitely, I kind of stayed away from him and Trey Quinn. I really, you know, I just didn't know what to do with all of that and Keenum going into the season. So, I, you know, unfortunately, I'm, I'm definitely underweight on all of those guys. So it'll be interesting to see if they can sustain that, you know, as, as we move forward. Um, the, the, I do have one more guy that I had, which was John Ross. Yep. You know, he had 158 yards and touchdowns, two touchdowns, and he dropped a couple. You know, um, I've never really, I've never trusted him. I've never really been, you know, sure what, what to make of him. So it'll be kind of interesting to see. I mean, actually, I will say the Cincinnati as a whole surprised me offensively yesterday. Yep. I definitely did not expect, you know, the Red Rocket to do any of that. And I mean, I just, it was definitely, um, they all outperformed what we, you know, what I was expecting of them. Yeah. Did anybody believe in the Bengals yesterday? Like the line was almost 10 points, uh, you know, favoring the Seahawks. And I had the Seahawks in my survivor pool. I was sweating that all game long. That was so brutal. Like watching the Bengals run it up on them and then just seeing the the Seahawks squeak it out. But yeah, I was very impressed with, with Ross uh, kind of in a similar vein. Like we have to talk about Marquise Brown here, right? Like the draft capital truthers can rejoice, (laughs) but I, I think there's a big grain of salt due here because they were playing against the dolphins. I, I'm just not sure that this level of performance is going to pop up against every other team. And I saw a stat from Mike Clay on Twitter. Hollywood Brown only played 12 snaps per next-gen stats. And that's insane to me. Like, to put up that that's type of game crazy. on 12 snaps, like, I almost don't believe it. Like, I, and I trust Mike and I trust next-gen stats. But really, right. 12 snaps? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think a lot of people – I mean, he was drafted, but I don't think a lot of people probably started him yesterday. You know, I kind of went I, – I definitely sprinkled some of him in best ball. I also had some Miles Boykin in best ball. You know, I mean, even Willie Sneed got in on the action yesterday. So, yeah, Marquise Brown is definitely – you know, obviously, like you said, it was the Dolphins, and they were, I mean, horrendous on both sides of the ball, really. So, you know, we'll have to see when they actually play, you know, a, a decent caliber defense and see kind of what happens. I'll throw out three other names. We don't really have to discuss them, but other guys that impressed me yesterday at wide receiver. Chris Conley on the Jaguars. It's good to kind of finally have some real game data to sort out that wide receiver core in Jacksonville. Uh, Jamison Crowder uh, on the Jets. 17 targets, man. That's no joke. If he's going to get that many targets, he's got to be near the top of our PPR waiver uh, assignments, and we're going to talk waivers later. And then the last guy, A.J. Brown, who... You know, after a really quiet offseason, might just end up being Tennessee's wide receiver one by the season's end. So uh, I, I'm keeping an eye on all three of those guys as well. Um, who else do you want to talk about uh, in terms of booms of the week, Jen? You know, I have got one tight end, and that would be Hawkinson. I really did not expect to see him come out of the gate like that, you know, and, and he. I mean, Arizona last year was third in, you know, fantasy points allowed to tight ends, and he, you know, he busted out 25 PPR points yesterday. So, you know, he's someone that, People were obviously high on, you know, over the offseason coming in as a rookie. And, you know, rookie tight ends are just not, you know, they're tough. Yeah. You know, it's tough for them to get adjusted. It's tough for them to kind of make waves. And, you know, he can't, He was on my he was on my uh, tight end bench last week in my streamer article. So that uh, did not work out for me. But, yeah, he definitely uh, he definitely impressed me. So do you view this as a sell high moment for him? I mean, not that it's really easy to sell tight ends necessarily, but if you owned him maybe in a dynasty league or even just in a seasonal league, would you be looking to move him after this big game? Probably. I think it was kind of a perfect storm of games for him and Stafford too. I mean, or maybe, you know, maybe they're all back. I don't know. I just, it's tough for me to really buy into that offense yet. And so if, if someone, you know, was looking to move, you know, Hawkinson for maybe a different position or something, you know, for somebody that that kind of whiffed on tight end or or went to stream or, or, you know, just didn't 
didn't draft well in that department and, and maybe they're kind of overzealous, like, oh, sweet. You know, I would say sell him, sure. Yep. Um, I'm going to tab a quarterback here as, as a boom of the week. Marcus Mariota, uh, you know, finished as the QB8 coming out of Sunday, which I did not see coming. Uh, I think a lot of folks <laughs> would have pegged the Cleveland Browns defense as one to be afraid of, you know, for opposing quarterbacks. But I think the process was probably good if you avoided Mariota. He only threw the ball 24 times. He just happened to get three touchdowns and, and a handful of big plays. So if you kind of factor in all that touchdown variance, he really didn't end up play, playing that well. Um, and so I think there's still reason to be a little wary of Mariota going forward. Uh, let's get to the busts of the week. Now, Jen, which players underperformed your expectations the most in week one? Well, I mean, like, one obvious one I've got is Devonta Freeman. I mean, I don't know what... You know, I mean, he was, yeah, he had four PPR points, you know, he went, I mean, basically he had, he had eight carries for 19 yards and Edo Smith had only six carries, but you know, had 31 yards. So it was kind of a, and Owen oh, Freeman also had a fumble, I believe. So I don't know what, you know, it, it's tough with him because, you know, he's coming off that injury year and, you know, people really know what to expect. And then week one, I mean, he just completely fell out. I mean, there was nothing going on there. So yeah, I mean, I, um, you know, people drafted him pretty high and hopefully he can bounce back, but I don't know. We'll have to see, I guess. Yeah, he was at the top of my board here too. Just, I don't know. It was a tough matchup. Yes, the Vikings are not an easy defense to play against, but if Freeman is really, you know, quote unquote, that good, it kind of shouldn't matter. He should do better than he did yesterday. And I think this is concerning and we're, we're going to have to monitor it. Uh, another running back for me, uh, we kind of touched on this a little earlier. I, I feel like I keep bringing up the Browns, but Nick Chubb, man, vultured by Dontrell Hilliard, but then Hilliard suffered a concussion later in the game. So maybe Chubb will have a little bit more runway in future weeks, but I, I don't know. I, I don't want to necessarily count on injuries to Dontrell Hilliard to get fantasy right. value from my RB1. You know what I'm saying? Like, No, I hear you. Yeah. I happen to be, I mean, I, I'm a huge Chubb fan. I mean, I've been... Same. I mean, I, you know... He, he went to my alma mater, so I watched him in college every game. So I, I, I think that he's, I mean, he's so good. And I think this is just a little hiccup. And I think people definitely should not panic on Chubb. I think he'll be just fine. How about at wide receiver? Um, my one guy I've got is Brandon Cooks. You know, he came in with, you know, just under six PPR points. And, you know, he only had six targets. I mean, I don't know if that's, you know, if we should pay attention to that. If it's telling, you've got Woods had 13 and Cup had 10. Cook's only had six. So I don't know. Hopefully that's not a pattern. You know, he only caught two for 39 yards. So he was definitely a bummer. That game was the bust of the week, in my opinion. Like, for sure. The next, the next guy for me at wide receivers, Curtis Samuel. Only four targets? Like, that was mm-hmm. one of those games that had a huge over-under. We expected a ton of scoring, good offense from both sides of the ball, and that is not what we got. And I, actually, this dovetails really well into my QB bust of the week, Cam Newton. I mean, yeah, geez, like five fantasy points or something like that. So much for implied team totals. Like, I I was really disappointed in Cam. I drafted him aggressively this offseason. I ranked him really high for week one, and this was just a total dud. It, it was really disappointing. Yeah, it really was. I will say, though, on, on a good note, on and, and, you know, personally, my son, who is 10, he's in his very first fantasy league, and he was so proud of himself because he benched Cam and started Russell Wilson instead, and that worked nice. out in his favor. Except that he played me, and, I mean, my team just crushed. So, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm going to beat my son in his first ever game. However, that was one little victory. He was so happy that he he, he decided to bench Cam. So, you know, <laughs> at least it helped somebody. That uh, that reminds me of, like, when I was a kid playing air hockey against my mom. And my mom is, like, a legit amazing air hockey player, and she just wouldn't let me win. It was really frustrating. But, you know, that you got to learn how to lose when you're a kid at some point. So, it's a good lesson. 
It is. And I feel bad because this league, it's actually a family league. And so like my niece and nephew and, you know, and I try to not draft as like drafty. I actually let some players go and I actually, you know, but I mean, my team this week, like I just had, I can't even remember who's on that team right now, but it was just one of those where every single, I have uh, Lamar Jackson and Cook and just, I mean, I just crushed him, my poor son, you know, but oh well, you know. Hey, got, like I said, you got to learn how to lose at some point. Um, who yeah. else you got for bust of the week? Um, I've got, uh, you know, I've got Hunter Henry at tight end. Um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, he was a bust, but there's also good stuff on the horizon. You know, I mean, he only had, you know, he went four for five or, you know, for 60 yards and he did nothing in the first half. But the good news, when you're looking at snaps, he was out there for 58 of 63 snaps. So I think better things are on the horizon. I think it was just a dud week, but he was a disappointment. I mean, he only had, you know, 10 PPR points and he just kind of, you know, for a guy that was being drafted in the you know fifth, sixth round, he just kind of was, it just wasn't a great performance from him. Yeah, he had a really cheap price tag on DraftKings too. So all the DFS people who thought they were getting a bargain were likely disappointed by that Hunter Henry performance. I mean, a lot of the yeah. big name tight ends really kind of crapped the bed in week one. Zach Ertz with quote unquote only seven targets. Uh, I don't think we should worry about him necessarily. Like seven targets is still pretty good for a tight end. But George Kittle only 5.5, 5.4 yards per target. Greg Olson, four yards per target. Uh, Vance McDonald, who was drafted relatively highly, like didn't even mm-hmm. get involved at all until the very end of the game when the Steelers were completely out of it. Like Ben Roethlisberger really spread the ball around, and I'm a little concerned. You know, I'm assuming that Juju is not going to be injured, you know, long term, but I'm concerned that it's going to be really tough to own all the Steelers receivers that aren't Juju going forward, including Vance McDonald. Yeah, I, yeah. The Steelers' performance was definitely a little bit unnerving, you know. Just watching. I mean, I have I have Juju and, and Scott Fishbowl, and I was I really needed a good game, and I did not get one. Um, but you know, I don't. I mean, James Washington did okay for kind of where he was, but no, I agree with you. McDonald was was definitely a dud, and he was being drafted as tight end eight, I think, you know, on the season. So, and he definitely did not perform up there. Yeah, and the Steelers gave us some indication that he might not be used as much as fantasy owners would want. So, we're going to have to keep an eye on that situation. Now, of course, this all hinges on that potential juju injury. So. If he is out for any period of time, then, you know, McDonald's value goes up. All those other secondary tertiary receivers, their values go up. But, yeah, it it might be a situation in Pittsburgh to get out while we can. Like, this might be a, a huge sell-high moment for that entire offense just because we, we knew there was this possibility, right, that Antonio Brown leaves, Le'Veon Bell leaves, and they're just not the same offense anymore. And if that's the case, if, if we can get out in front of that and maybe get some value for Juju, get some value for Dante Moncrief or Vance McDonald, now might be the time to do that in fantasy football. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know where – I'm trying to look right now about Connor. I kind of – he kind of slipped my mind in everything. And Oh, there he is. Okay. He had 10.5 PPR points. Not great. Not great, Bob. Um, no, no, no. So, yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh was, I mean, it was such a, and the thing was, is it was a boring game last night. I mean, it was just like, you know, I was wanting fireworks and it, there just wasn't there. Yeah, I think Connor might be the one guy I wouldn't be too concerned about because that really was just a, a game scripting against him. Mm-hmm. You know, they were down early and I, maybe the Steelers could have used him more as a receiver, but I, I, yeah, I'm not going to stress him too much because they were playing from behind basically the whole game. That That's still a good offensive line. He's still clearly, clearly their best running back. So I, I right. think Connor might be the one guy to hold there, but maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe you just want to get out from everybody. Now, um, that, that's all I've got for Bust of the Week. Uh, Jen, we're going to 
run it back tomorrow with uh, an episode on the waiver wire targets uh, for week two. Uh, is there anything else you want to touch on from week one before we go? No, I mean, I think, you know, I think we covered a lot. I think, as we all know, week one is, you know, I mean, it's it's such a small sample size. So I just, you know, advise people not to completely panic and like chicken little themselves, you know. It's just kind of, I mean, there were certain things, you know, that that are, are, are telling, but a lot of it's not. So I think people need to kind of just chill and not, you know, like drop their whole squad or pick up, you know, all these random people and just kind of, I don't know, it's week one. We got, we got, we got 16 more to go. Yep. So tune into tomorrow's episode and Jen and I will talk about, uh, you know, how to not panic, how, who you can drop and should not drop and all that fun stuff on the waiver show. Jennifer, why don't you let folks know what they can, uh, where they can find your work uh, and what they can expect from you this season. Uh, yeah, I am solely at 4 for 4 and I will have four weekly articles. I do a tight end streaming and a kicker streaming. And then this this season we have two new articles that I'm doing. One is a droppable article. It's called the Deadweight Report. So basically who you know who you can consider dropping every week. And then I also have a um, another article that I cannot remember what uh, it's called right now because they changed it on me. But basically, you know, studs that have really tough matchups. It's kind of a play at your own risk type type of thing. And um, it's funny because last week in that article I had Cam. And so, Greg, if you would have seen that, maybe you would have. Uh, <laughs> but no. So yeah, that that'll be that, that's it. And then yeah, I'm uh, I'm on Twitter at the Monday Mommy. Very good. Uh, well, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. Listeners, if you enjoyed this show, please do me a solid and write us a positive review on iTunes. And if you like what we're doing here in general on the Most Accurate Podcast, you'll probably like what we're doing on our other podcast uh, here at 444. Check out Fantasy First with Holden Kushner, DFS MVP with Holden and TJ Hernandez, and Ship Chasing with Pete Overzet and Pat Corain. Jennifer Akins and I will be back in your headphones tomorrow to talk about the waiver wire for week two. So until then, thanks for listening to the Most Accurate Podcast. Podcast.